Hey everybody, welcome back to the Zeitcast. This is Jonathan Martin, and I wanted to share something with you that we just recorded last night. Um, some of you know, among the many hats that I wear, I'm pastor at the table in Oklahoma City. I'm leading that alongside my wonderful friends here. It's just a beautiful new community. We started this a few months ago. We've actually just in the uh, past month or so dropped back to just do some intimate house gatherings as we've been preparing for a pretty big shift for us, which I'm excited to make public today. We are um, going to have a fall launch on September the 8th. We're moving to Sunday mornings, 10.30 a.m. every Sunday at the OKC Improv in the Plaza District. We love that neighborhood, love our friends there, our neighbors, and are just uh, just really feel like it's the right place for us to be. And that's going to be an enormous move. So look forward to getting to hang out with some of you guys there starting September the 8th, 10.30 a.m., OKC Improv in the Plaza Theater. But in the meantime, um, last night was the last of these more intimate gatherings that we've been doing in houses. And I just felt like I need to share the talk that I did. I don't know that I often want to share proper talks like this in this format. I don't know if that's a bit of a stretch, but I felt like it just um, it was right for tonight. We had done well. Just a, it was a very special night all the way around. Uh, we were commemorating 1619, 400 years since the first Africans, human beings that had been enslaved, were brought here, and so we had tried to commemorate that liturgically to remember, to feel the weight of that, uh, to to pray kind of through the weight of that. So it already been a really special night, and I had something on my heart that I wanted to share that I hope will be relevant to you. So just wanted to pass along that talk from The Table. If you're interested in learning more about The Table, feel free to check us out at thetableokc.com or once again, come hang out with us any weekend from September 8th forward at 10.30 a.m. As always, so appreciate you guys tuning in and uh, hope you enjoy today's edition of the Zeitcast. Well, y'all, it is so good to be back. I've missed you guys so much these last couple of weeks. I know you've been in more than capable hands. I am jealous that you guys got to hear Malika and Cece live and that I did not. I know it's been good. I know it's been so good. I know because I got your text messages and all that. And I'm, um, I'm, I'm so grateful for them. And it's funny, um, while I was on this trip in particular in Northern Ireland and in the Netherlands, I had the, a particular moment where I thought, I never thought I'd see the day where I could leave Oklahoma and be really sad about it and wish I was home from like Northern Ireland. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, like I would actually rather be here. So that says a lot about who you guys are to me and what you mean, what this community means, because you guys are everything. I mean, I probably miss one person here more than the rest, but... Um, but really, I missed everybody, and I, but it was so wonderful, too, you know, the way this community is structured, knowing, you know, how great this was going to be these couple weeks while I was gone, and uh, I'm just so grateful. I want to say, I'm, I don't want to, like, ease in too much, but I do want to say before um, I jump into the text and all that, um, I had a couple of experiences on this trip that were pretty wild. Um, I was at a, I spoke at these music festivals that were pretty charismatic in nature, and I had a couple people that I didn't know at all give words over me that were really unexpected. And 
And, you know, I believe in the stuff. I believe in all the Holy Ghost stuff. I really do. I am, if my Pentecostal tradition made me anything, it made me into kind of an accidental mystic. And so I believe in the things. And uh, and I'm going to talk about you in a minute. I'm so happy you're here. I'm so happy you're here. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm so happy you're here. Um, I just kept having getting these words. And some of them, this part was the word, but it was just interesting. So the host, actually, I don't think you'd mind me saying this, Paul McNeely, who brought me over. And I just thought this was hilarious. The first day we're there, he's like, you know, they've had a hard time finding a community. Because believe it or not, the same kind of conversations that we're having here, I'll say like at least kind of in more like the Western world, it's the same conversations everywhere, the same tensions, the same. He said, they've had such a hard time finding a church. So he's like, you know, we decided to start our own little version of the table here. And we realize we don't know exactly what you guys do, like form-wise. But just based on what we read on the internet, we're doing our own kind of version of the table. And they, you know, get together once a week. They do actually have a physical meal. It's like, is that okay? I'm like, it's definitely okay because we don't know what we're doing. <laughs> and we've been doing it for, I don't think there are any rules to this. <laughs> but I thought it was so wonderful. They see it as like a Northern Ireland chapter of the table. And sure enough, I was walking out of one of the sessions one day where I, one that I wasn't speaking. I was just just kind of been worshiping. And a woman who said, who apparently didn't know who I was, not that she should, but that made it all the more beautiful. I don't think she even knew I was speaking, in other words. And she's like, are you part of, have you like been part of planning a church or something? I said, yes, actually. She said that she had just got this worship. But whatever it is that you're doing, like I just, I feel like God spoke to me that they're going to be that this thing that you're a part of, they're going to be other ones of those. They're going to pop up all over the place. And I, that, that kind of thing kept reverberating. And it's just, I always think it's funny when I have any of those kind of experiences because anybody who knows us well, I mean, and I'm not being self-deprecating. This is just more honest. It's like, you know, not only is this a labor of love for all of us who are involved, it's like we're all like, you know, how are we going to pay the bills, you know? And then, of course, God has provided in rich ways through you guys. I know y'all talked about last week, the wonderful new facility we're, you know, moving into on Sunday morning. But it's just funny when you're in the midst of scrapping it out to get these these uh, kind of grandiose prophetic words, which actually do set right. Like, it does feel like the Lord to me. And also, it's just, again, it's just funny because, you know, it's very unglamorous work doing what we're doing in Oklahoma City. And yet there's such joy in it, too, to be able to do this together and to be a community. So I'm saying all that to say I've just never been more grateful for you guys. And having a couple weeks away just made me all the more aware of how much I need all of you and how much this is changing my life. So it always makes me think of like the old hair club for men commercial, you know, like... (laughs) I'm not only the president for the Air Club for Men, I'm also a client that's, you know, like, this is working, this is working on me too, this is changing my life too, so uh, I'm just, I'm just very grateful. I do want to say, um, I just had a chance to meet for the first time uh, Cece's friend, Dr. Carrie Day, she teaches at Princeton, Constructive Theology and African, and African American Religion, and uh, y'all, she is a, um, yes. She is a theological rock star. Um, I've, since Cece first talked about her, I've been trolling her stuff online. And I just want you to know, we did try to prevail on her to speak tonight, but she's here to rest specifically. That is the stated purpose of this trip. So, so that's good for now. But I want you to know you have an open invitation to come anytime and preach 
tongues or English, so like whatever direction you want to go. Because she, she, she's very Pentecostal, and I love that. But, you know, I really thought, um, having the conversation before, you know, it's just, um, it's just so wonderful. Because I do feel like for a lot of us who are here, um, we, we come from slightly different streams. But slightly, you know, general kind of Pentecostal charismatic tradition, but slightly variations of it. I think a common thread, though, is that a lot of us have felt like we were on the margins of the spaces that we came from. And then, like, to get together and you feel like now you've got a people and you're not alone. And I just want to say specifically uh, to you just how I'm just so grateful for the space that your work is carving out. And it makes people like me and like us feel less lonely and less alone, and that's that's so wonderful. So thank you for what you're doing, and Mike, I'm so glad you're here, man. It's really great to have you. Uh, Mike belongs to CC, if y'all if you didn't put that together. Belongs to CC, you like how I said that, belongs. <laughs> so yeah, it just, it just feels really special to be with you guys tonight, and I'm, you know, I know I'm taking a lot of time to visit, but it does feel like family. Um, I'm glad we get one more week of doing this actually in the house. This feels good, doesn't it? Like this is yeah. so, this feels so good. I'm glad to be part of a community that's able to do something like this liturgically tonight. You know, this just, it's all, all so great. I do want to talk briefly about a couple of the texts that we looked at. And then I, we didn't read the gospel text tonight. I thought I would save that for after we're a couple minutes in. But I just wanted to to tie together a couple things that feel especially relevant for the, for the moment that we're in. This text from Jeremiah 1 is one of my favorites in the prophets, and I have a lot of favorites in the prophets. It's a beautiful text, and there's a lot we could say about it. Um, how God tells Jeremiah, before you were born, I consecrated you, appointed you to be a prophet for the nations. You know, the whole exchange is wonderful. But I want to specifically draw your attention to these last few words, which are beautiful in a way, but I think are also provocative. And if, in fact, we are, and I do believe this, you know, like in what we get in the Old Testament is largely we have these, we have particular prophets who come up from the margins in particular places, and they're very unique in that way. Um, part of what we believe this side of Pentecost is that the Holy Spirit's been given to the whole church. So now all of God's daughters and all of God's sons are empowered to prophesy. Um, that's the birthright of the whole church. Everybody gets to prophesy. Everybody gets to speak God's truth. So they're not like a handful of prophets anymore. We're called to be a prophetic community. So the prophetic task is it for a handful of people we have just a real special burning desire for justice. Like this is, this is for everybody. The prophetic test, the prophetic work is for absolutely everybody who names the name of Jesus. This calling is for everybody. And Jeremiah outlines for us exactly what the prophetic task looks like. And this is interesting. Read that last verse. See, today I point you over nations and over kingdoms to pluck up and pull down, to destroy and overthrow, to build and to plant. Now, could you imagine if we made that our stated mission statement? 
I have never seen that as a church's mission statement, have you? <laughs> I mean, there's literally only like one phrase that's constructive, right? <laughs> like, so are we building up? Yeah, we build up. We just also happen to, you know, pluck up, pull down, destroy, and overthrow. We build up and plant in proportion to the other things, I guess. But um, I just find it so interesting because, like, I, you know, part of what's so vexing, I think, about any kind of prophetic task, not only for people who resist it, but I think for any of us who would feel, who would, you know, aspire to do it, and obviously not like in some self-referential way, I don't think I'm a prophet, whatever, but, you know, we're, we all feel drawn to this prophetic work. So, like, part of what I think is so intimidating about that is that I, just as much as anybody else, want to be positive. Like, don't you? Like, I, I want to be. People are like, why don't you be more positive? I want to be positive. I am by nature a positive person, actually. I am much more like half glass full than half empty. Like I am, you know, friendly to a fault, you know, like, like I want to be like super positive. And yet I feel like so much of the prophetic task is if there's going to be any building up, if there's going to be any planting, the majority of the work actually is it building up and planting. Like you get to that at the end. <laughs> Most of it is plucking up. Most of it is pulling down. Most of it is overthrowing. I don't like this any more than anybody else. Why do I why would I want to pluck up and pull down and overthrow? But that's that's what it takes. If the idea is that we want to plant something, we want to build something that's going to be good and it's going to be sustainable and God's going to be in it, then we have to do all that first. We have to pull pull down. We have to pluck up. We have to overthrow. So I'm just saying, like, there, these aren't things we're just making up. Like, this is actually the way it's supposed to work. And if people then experience the things that we talk about, the things that we care about, no matter how gentle we try to be, if people experience that as a kind of disruption, well, you know, it actually is disruptive. Because so much of the work of being God's people in the world means we have to be the people who are working to clear this kind of space. We're clearing this kind of space in ourselves first and foremost. So then hopefully we can clear this kind of space within our community (coughs) and it's disruptive work Mm -hmm. to an extent. It's violent work. It's not violent ultimately in that, you know, destruction is not the goal. Building something new is absolutely the goal. We have these conversations, by the way, all the time among kind of our core team. Now, that is where I, I, you know, I think some of us are in a different space. And I say this with no judgment for people in other spaces on the journey. Now, ultimately, we actually do want to build something. And if you have no goal, if there's like if there's no vision for something beyond tearing down, I don't think that's a great place to live. You know, I mean, I do want to be part of building something new. I do want to be part of a restoration project. You know, I don't want to just... I don't want to spend my, the rest of my life on, you know, bar stools sitting around talking about how bad that was back there. Like, I do want to be part of building something new. But a big part of building something new means we do have to be in that, bus- that business again of plucking up and tearing down. So that's a lot of what it looks like. 
And that slow and tedious takes a long time. It's, it's hard work. And, you know, I think you, if you're anything like me, at least, you constantly want to skip ahead. Like, let's just get to the planting. Let's just get to where like things grow. Let's just get to that stage. But this is, this is so much where the work is. Um, I love how the lectionary text always connect for me in really interesting ways, because to me, like these are kind of different sides of the same coin. So like where Jeremiah gives us this image of plucking and tearing down and pulling down and then finally constructing it. That's one image of the prophetic task. I think Hebrews 12 is like, if there's any text that for me speaks to, and don't get me wrong, I always want to make the disclaimer. I know all, hence what we've been talking about 1619 in the last 400 years. I know all times are violent and volatile, but I think right now a lot of people have their antenna up where they are feeling the shaking that's going on right now. And in that regard, I think Hebrews 12 is such a, it's just such a poignant text because here we have this description and I'll just skip along of a shaking that comes that where anything that can be shaken is being shaken. And um, I think, again, like in the same way that Jeremiah describes this process of there are things that have to be plucked up. There are things that have to be overthrown. There are things that have to be torn down. So to use the language of Hebrews, there are things that have to be shaken. Why are they being shaken? Because they can be shaken. And everything that can be shaken actually needs to be shaken, must be shaken. The shaking is necessary. I'll never forget. I can't remember if I've talked about this here or not, but the um, it was so wild for me the week before the election in 2016. And this wasn't all about the election, but to me, it's it's so it was so poignant for that moment when I was preaching in Tulsa that Sunday. And it's funny because sometimes I feel like that sermon was the beginning of the end of that season of my life, <laughs> but. The lectionary text that weekend was from Haggai. And there's this really interesting verse in Haggai 2 where God says that he's going to send a shaking to all the nations so that I might bring forth my treasure out of my people. The, the, tre- the shaking will come to all the nations so that I might bring forth my treasure out of my people. The idea, you know, I always like to say, not that God is, you know, shaking everybody else down at our expense. That's not the idea because ultimately anything good God ever did for Israel always was for the sake of the world. Anything good that God would ever do for the church for the sake of the world. Anything good that God has ever done for God's friends is for the sake of God's enemies. The story is always moving that direction. Like that's always where it was going. But there was a treasure within God's people that wasn't going to come out any other way unless it was shaken out. And I remember specifically preaching that sermon And I'm preaching this, and yet in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, I'm really hoping that however this goes in the next week or so, that things will settle down. (laughs) And I think we could probably get a consensus. You know, know, I can't get a consensus in many rooms, but I think everybody would agree with this anywhere I am, that nothing's calming down. Everything's ramping up. Different people might attribute that to different reasons, but everybody feels the shaking. Because the, shake, the foundations are being shaken. Right. 
ecclesiastical systems are shaking and yeah. political systems are shaking. Yes. Like yeah. every, everything structural yeah. is shaking in a violent way. Yeah. Right. And there's a lot of things shaking that I think ought to be shaken, and there are other things shaking. Sometimes I'm like, oh, I don't know if that should be shaken. But that's the thing about the shaking. It's indiscriminate. <laughs> Anything that can be shaken is shaken. And it's, and it's violent, and it's intense. And, you know, I just think there's some moments at least, it's hard to discern the purposes of God in the shaking because you can't quite get past that sense in your stomach of like, you know, I am being turned upside down right now. It does not, this does not feel amazing. But I'm saying all this because, you know, for a couple of reasons. One, I'm, I'm, I'm saying these things, hopefully as a kind of comfort, you know, that when we see things being overthrown, when we see plucking up and pulling down and things being shaken, to recognize that that legitimately is the work of the Spirit. By the way, I, I even am coming to a place to where I'm, I'm, I'm trying to recognize that that's the work of the Holy Spirit, even when that happens, and maybe especially when that happens, in a way that's not, it, it, it's not going to happen in a way that's clean. It's not going to always be perfect, you know. Uh, in other words, everything that God might use to bring sh- shaking, that's not going to come through perfect vessels, you know. There is no reformation that's ever happened. There is no kind of... There's not going to be any sort of reformation that's going to be like clean and neat and tidy and ordered and, mm-hmm. you know, theologically everything. We're not, come on, you know, it doesn't have to be, though, for it to be God, yeah. <laughs> for it to be the spirit in the midst of the shaking. You know, yeah. this is where sometimes I think you'd like uh, in the midst of such a time, we sometimes need to let one another off the hook a little bit like, you know, yeah, sometimes. OK, yeah, of course, this is a little bit messy. Yeah. It's a messy time. You know, that's all right. <laughs> doesn't mean the Holy Spirit's not at work in this doesn't mean the Holy Spirit's not at work in us okay so I'm not trying to take the text and turn this into like an M. Night Shyamalan movie where it all works out in the end and you're like oh he was dead all along but, but I do I am actually going to go to the gospel text and I promise I'm, I'm, I'm not I'm almost done um, but I did it did kind of give me a whole different perspective because like in this whole thing of like you know why why this kind of shaking? Why the, the intensity of things being plucked up and pulled down? Like, what, like, like, why is this exactly? And so the gospel reading for tonight, which actually is not in the bulletin, but if you have your Bibles, electronic devices, whatever. Luke 13, beginning with, with verse 10. Now Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath, And just then there appeared a woman with a spirit that had crippled her for 18 years. She had bent over and was quite unable to stand up straight. When Jesus saw her, he called her and said, Woman, you are set free from your ailment. When he laid his hands on her, immediately she stood up straight and began praising God. But the leader of the synagogue, indignant because Jesus had cured on the Sabbath, kept saying to the crowd, there are six days on which work ought to be done. Come on those days and be cured and not on the Sabbath day. But the Lord answered him and said, you hypocrites, 
Does not each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or his donkey from the manger and lead it away to give it water? Verse 16, and ought not this woman, I love this phrase, a daughter of Abraham. She's nameless in the text. But the dignity of this phrase, Jesus says, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan bound up for 18 long years, be set free from this bondage on the Sabbath day. When he said this, all his opponents were put to shame, and the entire crowd was rejoicing at all the wonderful things that he was doing. It's a beautiful text. And what I'm seeing in all of that is simply this. By the time we get to this text in Luke, and we see this tension always going back and forth, kind of often between prophets and priests, we have this kind of tension. But from the beginning, the Sabbath was always intended as a gift to humans, not the other way around. You know, Jesus says this directly. Sabbath was created for, for us to enjoy, not for us to be enslaved to. Right. But it's always the tendency, it's what a religious spirit will do for anybody, to take practices that were intended to liberate, to liberate the oppressed, to liberate the enslaved, and actually to enslave and oppress further. The very tools that God intended to set us free. And boy, is this not what 1619 is all about. Is that the religion of the oppressed, co-opted and commandeered, by the oppressor. We see this happening over and over and over again. And now in this Luke text, the religious folks are actually upset that on the Sabbath day, (laughs) what better day than the Sabbath (laughs) for this daughter of Abraham to find freedom? But what this text represents is a time in which, just like our time, really just like most times, where you have these institutional structures and systems that are so against liberation, that are so against freedom, that conspire against freedom, that oppress and conspire to keep people oppressed. I mean, that's, that's what you have. Of course, it's a time for pulling down and plucking up and overthrowing. Of course, it's a time for shaking because what God wants to do is what the spirit of God has always wanted to do to bring liberation, to bring liberation, to bring liberation from all that enslaves and all that oppresses. That's, that's what God's looking to do. So no wonder in a moment like this, and yes, maybe especially it can feel like in the Midwest in a place like Oklahoma city, (laughs) we're going to feel like we're in the thick of this kind of shaking. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's so interesting because, of course, so many, other, so many folks, just like they did with Jesus over and over again, how many folks are going to see it as outright the devil? Man, it is the devil. The devil is sending the shit. The devil is just stirring folks up. Like, people are getting stirred up, but I, I'm convinced it's not the devil. This is the Spirit of God that's stirring this restlessness. This is the spirit of God that's stirring us up, that's stirring people up everywhere. Yeah. And even people that don't have anything, uh, any place constructive to go with it, they're feeling stirred up in this way. Yeah. I'm absolutely convinced that that's the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Yeah. I just think 
that there's something to this. And even to that, you know, again, to that Luke text that there's just, we, we see it over and over again, that the story of scripture rightly understood has always been a story of liberation. It's always, yeah. it's always That's been right. God is the God of the That's Exodus. Right. It's the God who's yeah. always been on the move. That's right. And whenever God's people get out of mm-hmm. sync mm-hmm. with that kind of freedom movement, mm-hmm. then it's time for shaking. It's time yeah, for things to be so stirred good. up. It's time for so some good. things to be overthrown. So, yeah, mm-hmm. Time for yeah. some things to be pulled down. Yeah. It makes me nervous as anybody else because I'm sure there's still things that need to be pulled down in me. I don't even, you know, yeah. things that need to be plucked up in me. Yeah. I want to land, though, with this, and I really am done. You know, because I've thought about this, my tendency right now, and I almost feel the need to apologize for it. You know, I, I talked to a friend of mine a few weeks ago who's a great preacher, who um, really is a great preacher. And you'd listen to one of my sermons recently. And he was talking about how, like, I just know right now, and he said this very gently, my tendency, because I just feel like it's kind of where my head and heart is, is to go very 30,000 feet with everything, you know. And I don't like like way up here. And I, that's fine for a minute, but also, you know, we're not living at 30,000 feet, but in terms of like real life, where we are, like this minute, because I do want to speak to that. Here's what I'm sensing, um, if this is helpful for anybody. I'm wondering what, in terms of like your own life right now, what's being shaken, what's being stirred up, what's toppling, what's teetering, what feels like maybe it's on the verge of overthrow. Because here's, here's what I find to happen so often in my life. Whenever something is shaking, well, my presumption is that it's not supposed to be shaken. So something's, this is wrong. How can I get this to stop shaking? Okay, so um, if I feel like something in my life is, is feeling overthrown, well, I don't want anything in my life to be overthrown. It's time to start nailing things back to the floor here so I can have some stability. If I feel like certain people are... Um, exiting my life, then I feel insecure and I get needy like anybody. And like, oh, well, why, well, don't, no, please don't leave. Like at all costs, like, you know, you start grabbing, you, just, you know what I'm saying? That thing that makes you just start grabbing a hold of, I'm just wondering where like in your own life right now, where you're grabbing hold of folks, where you're trying to nail things down, operating from the assumption that things aren't supposed to be shaking. From the assumption that made that that's not God. Maybe the shaking's supposed to happen. Maybe the relationships are supposed to be shaken up. Maybe in some form, where you are is not precisely where God wants you to be. And I'm not going to say necessarily geographically, but you hear what I'm saying. Maybe the God is legitimately in the process of birthing something new. But so long as there's this resistance Mm -hmm. to that discomfort, this assumption that somehow there must be something that you're doing wrong. That's I don't maybe that's that's always my first instinct is I must be doing something wrong. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, some folks would blame the devil. I'm much more likely like, oh, I must just not not be doing this right. I'm more and more. And don't get me wrong. I, I want the Holy Spirit to show me when I'm not getting stuff right. I get stuff wrong all the time. But I think especially like in these categories, nine times out of 10, (laughs) God's the one who's shaking it up. And it doesn't have anything to do with obedience or disobedience. It's like God is doing the shaking. And the reason I experience as such, experience as such violence, the reason that it feels so bad 
is because I'm just I'm so convinced that what God wants for my life is a stability that has never been promised. <laughs> I'm still so convinced there's that's so in my DNA from things that I heard. No, that what peace is supposed to look like is some kind of external, calm, quiet, 2.5 kids, picket fence. Like, as if that's, as if that's what God wants for us. So I'm just raising the question, like, what, what would it look like right now to actually open up your hands and be willing to let some things shake? Be willing to let some things go. We want to let some things shift, not try so hard to like nail it back down or shore things up. Actually let it, just kind of let it shake. I mean, I think I'm, I said I was done. I really am done. This is like, that is classic. That is classic Pentecostal preaching, isn't it? Like you just can't, you're done. But I mean, I think that whole, you know, that whole story of the uh, Old Testament about, um, you know, where uh, Uzzah, touches the ark and he struck dead and all that. I always read that as I would have when I was young about, I don't know, something about touching holy things with uh, unclean hands or something, which is not what the text is about at all. You know, the ark of God is, I definitely didn't plan to talk about this. I haven't talked about that story in probably 10 years. The ark of God is going through the town, right? And what's the issue? Is that this guy takes it upon himself to stable, I, I need to stabilize the ark. <laughs> and I just feel like that's where like so much goes wrong for so many of us is we take it upon ourselves. Like, oh, I, I need to fix this. <laughs> well, maybe the ark doesn't need to be stabilized. Maybe God doesn't need us to, maybe God doesn't need our hands on it. <laughs> so much of what I actually do now think of as sin in my life is more like my ridiculous overreaching trying to fix stuff that's not mine to fix and adjust things that aren't mine to adjust and you know yeah. like when when god might be said just let this be so let me let's pray one more time god i don't know what all in us individually needs to be shaken i know that I feel like there are a lot of things broadly that you're shaking in the world and that you're shaking in America and that you're shaking in Oklahoma. But I want to pray specifically for my friends who are here right now who are just feeling the violence of the shaking. And, um, and it's so scary when things that once brought us stability are now unstable and things that once we were able to hold on to feel like they're kind of being pulled out of our hands. That's, it's terrifying sometimes. But God, I just pray tonight that you would give us the discernment to know when and how you're at work in this shaking and when it is that we need to open up our hands and let go. And instead of always trying to resolve things or work things out somehow prematurely, God, give us the grace, Lord, to just to trust that somehow you are at work in the shaking. That somehow um, your spirit is at work in the disruption. And that maybe even you're calling us to be agents of that disruption. <laughs> instead of always trying to 
stabilize everything. I just, I just, I, and I pray especially God that you would just deliver us from any condemnation that comes from thinking that just because things are unstable, that we're not where you've called us to be, or that we're not hearing you, or not being obedient somehow. I just don't think you're in that. So give us that kind of grace. Give us that kind of discernment. And I do thank you, Lord, that when wherever there is pulling down, wherever there are things that are over, that are being overthrown, God, there are beautiful things that you're planting. And there is new construction, and there are things that are going to be built up. And so, God, even where it's um, difficult for us to discern your purposes sometimes, we just thank you, God, that there is space being cleared. Space being cleared inside of us, even now, for a new work of your spirit. Mm. I do feel that right now, Lord, so thank you. Thank you that the room that's being cleared, it's not arbitrary, God. It's not just, sometimes we, we're just conscious of the things that we're losing, but they're, you're clearing space for something new and beautiful. Give us the grace to see that, God. That's all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.